welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning. Welcome to episode 280 of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. So very glad you are here today for another Extraordinary Mom episode. You guys, Rachel, who's my guest today, Rachel Martin is truly amazing, and I cannot wait for you to hear her story that kind of sounds like a movie plot. It's unbelievable. So from where she stands right now, she is a single mom of seven. Yep, seven. And today we're chatting about her motherhood journey, which includes raising her kids at the poverty level and emerging from that, creating her own business in order to create a new life for herself. What I think is so amazing is that she really opens up the conversation that she faced when she felt like everyone else had their lives all together and she would walk into that Bible study and she was the only one with real problems. But then suddenly when she did decide to open her mouth and share what was really going on behind closed doors, suddenly that brought down the walls of other women in her circle too. And that was a really powerful experience. And now she loves going on to share about her bankruptcy, divorce, and overcoming shame really in her life. She also wrote a new book called The Brave Art of Motherhood and we're going to chat about her new book as well. She's just extraordinary and I can't wait for you to get to hear from Rachel today. So let's get to it with Rachel Martin. All right, I'm thrilled to be welcoming Rachel Martin to the show. Hi, Rachel. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. I was staying up late last night reading your book, The Brave Art of Motherhood, and it is so well done. Good job. Well, I appreciate that. There is a lot of heart that went into it, so it's always nice to hear it's so well done because you think about how many hours and days and weeks and months went into writing something. Well, I can't even imagine. And then the fact that you even lived these pages that you penned is like (laughs) crazy in and of itself, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I think you're just amazing. Well, that's very nice. I I like that. I feel good today. (laughs) It's a good way to start your morning when somebody starts out complimenting you, right? (laughs) You know that it is—it it is the truth. I've—I've I've actually tried to adopt that from my kids too. Yeah. I think there is something powerful about kind of having that little little confidence booster. I do as well. Well, for people that may not know you, Rachel, will you just give a little background on yourself and your family? So my—I'm a mom of seven. A lot of people always start with that. My oldest is twenty-two. My youngest is nine, and I've gone through an entire gamut of different parenting experiences. I can tell you that no two children are alike, and what works with one never works with another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also a single mom. I've been uh, divorced now for the last five and a half, six years, and I started my own company in the last couple years. I've gone through a whole spectrum of different motherhood stories, from being a homeschooling stay-at-home mom to a traveling entrepreneur mom and now kind of in the between because I, I do work at home. Uh, so I have the some of the stay-at-home mom stuff along with the working and the whole mix of motherhood. So it's taught me a lot of different perspectives on motherhood and it's taught me that the bottom line is we all just need friendship and to know we're not alone. That is so true. And maybe you can speak to the fact that during the seasons where you were working a lot and traveling a lot outside of the home, did you struggle for those connective relationships and feeling tied into the community when you felt stretched probably so thin and proximity wise, you were just away from people more? 
So it was an interesting space. I, I started traveling. I call it the harvest years of motherhood. I, um, when I, in the first years of my single mom journey, and I, I was the breadwinner, I became the primary breadwinner. And I, I had this dichotomy of being home and this relationship and identity I had built up for almost 18 years of being one way and then having to push myself to create a, a new persona, I guess, a new identity, a new trajectory for who I was. And I would kind of wrestle with, this is the way I thought I was, but now I'm having to do things uh, a new way. And I learned to find a lot of strength and joy in the new story, in the new chapter in that space. And it, the harvest part comes from, I tell the story about my grandpa who was a farmer in Minnesota. And when it was harvest time, we would go visit him and he was not to be found. He was in the fields. He was harvesting. But I never questioned my, questioned my grandpa's love for us because mm. we all knew he was in the fields in those moments because that was where he needed to be because he loved his family. So in those intense travel years, there were many times where I would just, I remember being on an airplane, teary, and I just kept thinking about my grandpa. And I kept thinking, this is the harvest years of motherhood. This is me showing up for my kids, providing and loving them, expressing love in this way. Mm, that is so, so beautiful. And I think we do get so trapped by a certain box of motherhood that we think we fit in. And we think we should fit in that box throughout all of the seasons of motherhood that we experience. And that's simply not true. You would never compare your newborn child to their 14-year-old self later on. Like you give your permission, you give permission to your kids to grow up why can can we not give ourselves that same permission to grow and evolve as well? That is so beautiful, that idea of permission, because it's true. We want our kids to grow up. We want them to learn and to expand and to figure out who they are. And motherhood is, it is truly the same thing. I have this picture of my oldest, uh, the day she came home from the hospital, back before Instagram, back before all of that was trendy. And I remember thinking to myself, take a picture of this moment, and it's her on the floor on a blanket crying. And I had no idea what to do. I just, it was such a raw moment of motherhood. And that's the story is none of us really, we're all rookies. We're yeah. all going into it, nobody really having an idea what we do. And I joke that motherhood is a lot of faking it till you make it. And that's okay because. I didn't know what I had, how to take care of a toddler until I had a toddler. And I just kind of put a smile on it, figured it out. And in that process, we all grow. And ourselves, you're right. I think sometimes we forget that not only do we grow as moms, but we also grow in different ways as individuals. Mm. And it's so important for our kids to see that in us so they can give themselves that permission and that space to believe the world is their oyster. Anything is possible. And staying stuck you know, it isn't serving anybody by any means. It does. It, it really isn't. And the idea you, you ask a child, what do you want to be when they grow up? Yeah. And they can tell you anything they think and believe wholeheartedly. Like my son thinks he's going to be a Lego engineer someday. And there's not a doubt in his mind, hmm. but the older we get, we just, we start to realize, Oh, that doesn't seem practical. That's not right. I have to do it this way. But we, when we, uh, delve into who we were created to be and the places that we love, we really are teaching our kids that just because we're a mom doesn't mean that we don't have anything else that we do and we love. And it's important for them to see that because otherwise we teach the next generation kind of, hey, when you become a parent, 
you know what, all the stuff that you practice when you're a kid, you're going to have to let that go. Versus, hey, when you become a parent and a mom, you love playing piano when you're a kid, you can still love playing piano now. Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick minute to thank our show sponsor, and that is Vistaprint. So I've actually been using Vistaprint for years. I remember when I was a teacher just starting out and I would always get my name printed on their adorable stationery and post-it notes. I loved giving them as gifts. So I've been using Vistaprint a long time. Well, it just came to my attention that they also have holiday cards and calendars and gifts, and you're gonna wanna check this out, okay? Their website is so easy to use, vistaprint.com. If you click on the holiday cards and gifts section, there's a whole array of different designs you can do. It doesn't take any time at all. You just pick a shape like square, rounded corners, folded or flat. They even have foil embossed cards, which are extra beautiful. So great. It's all from the comfort of your own home. Custom cards and calendars are 50% off right now. So if you're looking to send holiday cards or make personalized gifts this holiday season, you are going to want to choose Vistaprint. And your satisfaction is 100% guaranteed, and they'll make it right by reprinting or refunding your order. So get merry, get jolly, and get 50% off holiday cards and calendars. And plus, you can save on photo gifts at vistaprint.com. And just enter promo code capital EMP holiday. That's vistaprint.com, promo code EMP holiday, and that offer is valid until January 31st, 2019. Thank you so much to Vistaprint for sponsoring the show. Get your holiday cards ready. Don't be scrambling at the last minute. Plan ahead. And send one to me if you want my address. Just DM me. Huh? Thank you, Vistaprint. Now let's get back to it with Rachel. I think it is so important to ask the question, you know, what kind of mom do I want to be when I grow up? Right? We ask our kids that type of question, but what kind of mom do I want to be? You may start out being one way, probably very tightly tied to the you you used to be prior to becoming a mom. Like maybe you're an achiever, maybe you're super organized, maybe you're very type A, things like that. Maybe you're a yeller. I was. Right. I was. Right. I yelled so much in my early motherhood, and I did not like that in myself. And so my goal of motherhood is to be a peaceful, calm mom who does not yell, right? And so that's what I want to be when I grow up as a mom. And I'm constantly working every day towards those types of goals. So I think it's great to have in your eyesight some specific goals, even within the realm of being a mom, a label you've already pinned to your chest, of Mm -hmm. what kind of mom are you going to be? And then how are you going to do that? Because it's not going to just happen by accident. No, mm-hmm. no. In fact, I think that's the hardest part. And then yeah. what I've learned is we, we all want to do different things. We want to become not a yeller. Or for me, it's really letting go of stuff. My daughter calls me out on it a lot. Like, mom, you're not, she'll sometimes say, you know, you're not that patient or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't like that part of myself. So it's a real discipline for myself not to get impatient quickly or not to get a little not holding on to stuff and it's it's a progress but you can't make movement forward unless you decide and it is a decision like I'm not going to do this or I'm going to change that pattern and then giving yourself grace for the times when you stumble because nobody learns something or changes something without having the moments where they stumble yes and the first step is self-awareness to realize that exists in you and that behavior mm-hmm. is present and then the second step is the belief that it can be different if you want it to. It it truly is. It is Mm -hmm. that actual self-awareness. It's Mm -hmm. that moment where we step back and go, 
I'm not happy or I I need to change something. And that's scary to admit it. It's much easier to kind of cover it up with different things that stop us from looking at the moment, the places in our lives where we really need to maybe make a change. Mm. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to look in the mirror and it's hard when your kids call you out for those things. And my kids are still eight and under. So we're only now getting to the point where I'm actually being called out for things that are not going well. But I do really appreciate that opportunity to have that reflected back on me so that even the things that I'm not super proud of, at least I have the opportunity to work on them. Well, and you're teaching your children that too, because, you know, kids don't learn. I always joke, kids don't learn algebra until they learn math. And yet sometimes as parents, we think that, and as moms, we think that we're supposed to be at this place, but we really have to learn the steps to get to that place. And when we have our moments of realness with our kids, we're basically teaching them that change or moving towards a goal. It's a progress. It's not overnight. Mm -mm. Nope. And it keeps... Yeah, it has to be intentional every single day. And and eventually it will become less of something that has to be on the forefront of your mind because we just developed those new habits, which is beautiful. It's beautiful the way the brain works like that. So in reading your book, I loved so much how it starts out talking a lot about the mother you thought you should be and those shoulds. And we've already been talking about it a lot just organically in this conversation so far. But will you kind of elaborate more on what kind of mom did you think you should be starting out? And then how did you rewrite that narrative as you became more self-aware to realize, no, no, that's not a box I need to be trapped in? Well, I think when you start out motherhood, you don't, in that journey, you don't really realize the work part of it. I think we all kind of have that, oh, it's going to be work, that kind of naiveness about it. And then to me, the part that always surprised me the most was how frustrating just simple things could be. I, I was not prepared for that in my motherhood journey of the frustration of people needing me all the time and a mess and not having enough of me to go around to deal with everything. Hmm. So a lot of the the should be is where my own ideas of perfectionism that I dealt with. I, I, I tend to be, and my parents know it, and anybody that knows me, that's one of the things I have to fight is not needing to have everything perfect and motherhood is really imperfect perfection and it's letting go of the should be is that the world tells you a lot of times we see things and when my oldest was the young there was no real internet the way it was it was just I mean but I still had pressure it was but it was it was simpler and I know people say that all the time but I mean, we had Family Fun Magazine, and I would still mess up the checkerboard cake that was on it. Mm -hmm. But I think in the last, like, five, ten years, the pressures to to should be and to have all those shoulds in motherhood has grown more and more from not a thing that we could do, but all of a sudden we're supposed to do all these things. And that dichotomy, that shifting from, oh, you could do this cool party or you could do this – to that's what you have to do as moms is leading to what I believe a lot of burnout, a lot of aloneness, because we don't want to really be the one to admit that, Oh, you know what? I can't do it. But in the admitting, like I struggle or this part is hard is where we develop friendships and camaraderie. Mm, Yeah. I could not agree more. And during that time of putting on a pretense of what you thought you should be doing, People had very little idea about what what was actually going on in your real life. Is that right? 
It's very, it's very true. So I talk a lot about masks and I was very, very good at saying, oh, it's no big deal. I'm fine. And, and not wanting anybody to see that what I felt I, I was messing up. I was constantly feeling I was pretending, pretending at motherhood, pretending I wasn't quite grown up. And it was partially because behind the scenes, behind the package, I say like the filter, there were a lot of things that were, were not right. And I've discovered that we all have that. I've been in Bible study groups and different groups where everybody kind of comes in and it stays at the surface, but underneath it, we all have these giant icebergs of stories that we want to share, but nobody can see it. They can only see this little bit. And when healing and change comes, it's really when we say, you know what, let me let you see the real me. Let's talk about it, but let's not stay there. If there's something that's Mm -hmm. challenging or hard, we don't have to stay in that spot. We can figure out as a group or as a person how to move forward from it. Mm. And you talk about breaking your ankle and how promptly your surgeon said, okay, we're going in for surgery or let's schedule surgery for tomorrow. And you were shocked <laughs> at the authority and the ability to, okay, would I really continue walking and limping on a broken ankle or would I go fix yeah. it? And it is the same exact thing for the things that hold us back in our lives that we continue to limp by with that we're not willing to put on the calendar to fix that we're not willing to look in the mirror and address what what is that in us what what did you find through your own experience well the ankle story is such a interesting thing so last year I broke my ankle and it didn't show up right away which is I think the way things in life happen what we need to change you don't even sometimes realize you've gone down a path or a habit needs to change and then about two weeks after I had injured it it just kept locking up it was really weird and me I would dismiss it even though I was on the floor in my kitchen writhing in pain when it would lock up and then it would get better, and I'd just go, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal, and which is what we do again. Something bad happens or something challenging happens. We A lot of times we just think, oh, it's no big deal. I'm just going to ignore it. Well, it kept going on and on, and it got to a place where I ended up having, finally, I couldn't ignore it. Again, a perfect analogy for life. There come sometimes places where it is in your face, and I couldn't ignore it, and I ended up, Having to, I got an MRI before I had surgery on it. And before I had the MRI, as I was getting strapped in, because they have to kind of make sure you, your ankle is isolated, the tech says to me, you know, I, can you hold still for 20 minutes? And I said, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. No one's going to bug me. And he said to me, you wouldn't believe that every mom that comes in here tells me this is the best rest they've had in years. Wow. And I remember laying in the MRI, hearing that little noise as thinking, what does that say about us as moms that a tech at the the place where we're injured hears over and over and over again, that when they're injured and forced to stop, they finally get to rest. So Mm -hmm. it really comes back to this idea of those, like what happened was I broke my ankle, had all these fragments in my joint, which were causing the pain is you can ignore fragments for only so long. You can you can ignore those little fragments in your life where things need to be changed or you're denying your heart for so long before it becomes to a place where it's a crisis or somebody says you need to stop or you just become so used to dealing with it, you're not even operating out of full capacity. Right, and it just becomes your new normal. 
but realizing it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to operate at a deficit for your whole life. There's so many resources out there to elevate your life and self-awareness. Like we just keep bringing up that word, but that is literally the first step. It is. It's the first step for, for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, it's very hard because for myself, one of the things I had done, which was hard, was I became the victim in my own story, but mm-hmm. I would have never told you I was the victim. I would have just tried and thought if I could just do more. But there was a moment where I realized I could either tolerate um, being the victim or I could decide to use the gifts that I was given and decide to change things. And it came in this idea that life is going to pass us by no matter what. Every single day is another day in our life journey. Do we know the end? I don't know. I, I assume that I'm going to get to live to be 85 years, but that's kind of kind of arrogant of me to even assume that. I have no idea. And mm-hmm. every single day that I have is one more day gone. And all the dreams and goals or all the different things, it's one more day that it either becomes harder to change it or closer to changing it. And so it was almost like I woke up. Mm-hmm. I woke up to my own story and I woke up to, to to life and decided I love life and I can't tolerate just existing and I can't tolerate this as what I'm teaching my children is normal. Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt once more, but wanted to thank our last show sponsor and that is Hint Water. I recently gave up soda, which I'm super proud about, and I have turned to sparkling water as kind of an answer to my prayers. Flavored seltzers are all the rage right now, and I'm always looking for ways to kind of curb that desire to have something sweet and bubbly. And Hint Water has totally been an answer to that. With over 20 delicious flavors to choose from, including watermelon, pineapple, cherry, blackberry, which I will say is my absolute favorite, and more, Hint Water is pure water infused with fruit essence with zero calories, zero sugar, and zero diet sweeteners. So much better for you. The company was founded by a woman and she has helped millions of people to curb their desire for sodas or sugary drinks and help them to drink more water. You can buy individual flavors, variety packs, or join the Flavor of the Month Club and try a new flavor every single month. It is so cool. Keep your home and office stocked by subscribing to Hint. If you're trying to drink more water and you want to give Hint a try, I would love that. To receive 36 bottles for just $36, visit drinkhint.com slash capital EMP and use promo code EMP at checkout. That's drinkhint.com slash capital EMP and use promo code capital EMP at checkout. This promo code is only valid on first orders. Thanks so much to Hint for sponsoring the show. And thank you for giving me another option alternative to just plain old water to help me to get my water intake every day. All right, let's get back to the rest of my conversation with Rachel. And so you talk about living in poverty. And I've been on tight budgets before. We're on a tight budget right now, in fact. But I've never experienced living at the level of poverty. Will you describe that time for me and what that is like being a mother and desperately wanting to provide for your family? It's, it's probably one of the most, and so I hid it too. I had many, my parents Mm. bought my house. So nobody knew that the poverty, the depth of what was going on was so incredibly painful. Mm. So it it was even, even like anybody could step in. I, I had a house in the suburbs and all of that, but I had 
creditors after me and 11 cents and nothing in my checking account and no money, nowhere to come from. And I felt helpless. It was a lot of helpless hopelessness. And I hated it for my kids. I tried so hard to give them an experience in life where they didn't, they didn't know that the, the gas man was at the door to turn it off. And it was also very, very scary. Anybody that's there that's listening that has been in a place of that, there's a level of fear that it's indescribable to anything else that's there. This fear that what you have, could you could lose even more, that you wouldn't be able to take care of them, that somebody can come to your door and take things from you at that moment. And as parents, we want to protect our kids. Hmm. So it was this place of me wanting to protect them and not even knowing how to tell people what was going on. And in the beginning, I think the scariest part for a lot of us is actually just admitting, listen, I'm really broken right now and I can't do this alone and letting that mask come down to the floor. Hmm. So that leads me to, to ask the question, what could people have asked you or what could they have done in order to elicit a type of transparent response from you? Because I mean, I ask people all the time, oh, how are you doing? How are things? And everybody says, oh, I'm great. I'm good. I'm fine. And then okay. I say, is there anything I can do? No, no. So how do we crack people open? <laughs> Boy, that's a really interesting one. I had my one friend, Liz. I think if you have that still small voice too, or you just have that idea, something doesn't seem right. Um, I have friends in hindsight that said, you know, something always seemed a little bit off with mm. you. They just kind of had that in inkling that something was going on. I think it's showing up. It's really showing up at their house. Uh, and then the I'm fine. To me, I'm fine is a lot of times just it's kind of a cover up. And to me, it's getting to know people even more understanding, sharing your own struggles in, in Bible study groups that I've been in. When one person opens up about something, it almost is permission for everybody else at the table to decide, you know what, I'm going to share this place where I'm struggling. I'm going to share that I have this fear or this worry. Uh, in my own life, people did try to ask me more but my pride was so strong my pride because I labeled where I was as failing and I was so fearful of failing that it perpetuated more failing mm. and it's so hard to get out and so during those years of financial struggle and filing for bankruptcy and your car was repossessed I mean all of these things that many of us listening cannot actually imagine going through that but you know, our heart goes out to anybody struggling to the point where the people that have experienced loss, right? It's just, it's, mm -hmm. it's just loss, right? And so how did you climb out of that? And what were the first steps you took in order to kind of bring those issues to the light so you could start dealing with them and getting, getting on the other side of them? Admitting where we were. Mm -hmm. It was admitting this was the actual truth about my life, not ignoring things. I joked in the book that the best way to get the IRS off your back is to not ignore them. The mm -hmm. more you ignore, the bigger it becomes. It's almost like denying, yeah, I don't have a problem. I'm going to ignore. And for a lot, of, a lot of time when I didn't know what to do, I ignored because it was the only way I could cope. And I have a lot of compassion for for moms that are in this spot, because it can be very isolating. I would remember walking into Target 
with $12 I could spend and I would for food because I had a super target grocery store and feeling so frustrated and so sad as I would walk through because I would see stuff on end caps and I would see people putting it in the cart and I knew I couldn't do it and I would just vacillate between frustration and anger and not knowing what to do and it really for me if you're in that spot first of all you're you're not alone that's what I need moms to know you're Mm -hmm. not alone and the other thing is is every single day that you decide to change to not be in that spot, whether it's a small, simple thing, or it's even deciding to to actually have faith that things can be different, is a step in the right direction. And it's it's a process. There, it is a process to dig out. It's not just one day you know, we wake up and can hit the reset button. It's an actual process of one step forward, two steps back, that kind of two steps forward, back and forth, and over and over. And if you've ever seen that A to B image like you want to get from a to to b and you think it's going to be a straight line anytime you have to change something where you're stuck it's that curvy wavy back and forth line to get where it is but the the real truth is you have to keep moving and as hard as it is it is consistent movement Hmm. that is great advice that is great advice um Sometimes it had to be so hard even just to get out of bed, but choosing to get out of bed, choosing to take a shower, choosing to go outside, choosing to seek a job, just one step at a time. And if and if the overall goal seems too big, breaking it down, what small goal can I set today to help me get one step closer to the ultimate goal or the ultimate um you know, change that you want to make. And so, of course, we want people to read the book and you go into great detail about your life experiences and life story. But will you just give, you know, a brief synopsis of a picture of what your life was like then and how things look now? Oh, well, it's it's so interesting because the farther I get, sometimes I, I don't remember. But what I remember then was... um feeling lost in my own story, basically, uh, waking up, trying, I I love my family. I love my kids. There wasn't a day where I didn't show up for them, which is what I want moms to know too, is there's so much power in showing up, even though I felt like I was letting them down. My kids have stories from those years about, you know, I loved that you played cards with us and I love that you did this. And I love that you made those homemade Halloween costumes because I didn't buy them, Mm. made them, but they loved it. So that showing up part. But I would say now I have a deeper level of happiness and kind of passion for women and moms in general, this deep awareness that the reason so many of us feel isolated is because in order to not feel isolated, not to feel alone, you have to put yourself out there. And you have to say, you know, a lot of people will say, well, no one came up, I needed help, but no one even came to my door. Well, you have to actually meet people. You have to say, hey, you know, I'm struggling right now. Could you help out? And that's the big thing is if you, now it's less of a feeling of alone. Hmm. That is so, so powerful. And I mean, so you detail this all in the book, but you went from the point of pulling yourself out of poverty as a single mom of seven to be named one of Inc. Magazine's top 40 entrepreneurs? Like, <laughs> what? And it, But I would venture to say, you would say, it was one step 
at a time. So what did you end up building? What kind of business and what advice would you give to somebody that's feeling like they need a catalyst for change? Uh, well, I ended up building, first of all, my website, my blog grew rapidly. And uh, and I joined uh, with my business partner and friend, Dan Morris. We joined and built a company called Audience Industries, where we just, where we went around and trained and trained bloggers and entrepreneurs, podcasters, small business owners, how to create a successful business in this online world. Hmm. And we just pushed and pushed and pushed. And I would travel uh, in these little spurts of time where people would see me traveling, but they didn't see me getting up at 4 a.m., flying, speaking all day, speaking at night, speaking in the morning, flying back. And it was a lot and lot of hustle, basically the harvest. That was what it was. And that kind of tenacity is what it takes, I really believe, but it also took the faith in the future that was different. I had to believe years before I ever got named to the Inc. Magazine across uh, 40 entrepreneurs, I had to believe that it was possible because mm-hmm. if we believe that it will never change, then all we, that is, that is the target in our head. We're always thinking, no matter what I do, it's never going to change. Well, that's the trajectory, the, the, the yeah. direction, I mean, that we're going. If we believe, even though it seems ridiculous and everybody around you is like, what in the world are you doing? Which I dealt with a lot. But if we can cling to this is where I'm going, this is what I'm going to do, and this will happen, then even though we might be doing the same thing, there's a different type of energy going towards it. Mm. Oh, that is so... Good. And I love that it just applies to anything. You don't have to build a business in order to take that advice. It's a matter of simply coming out of hiding and showing up in the Mm -hmm. world as you truly are with all your gifts, talents, and, you know, there's all your uniqueness and contributing however that looks. And so how do you want to teach your kids to do this? How do you intentionally show them how to show up with strength and come out of hiding and to show up as themselves for them. Well, the, the most beautiful part about this whole thing is when you're hiding, you teach your kids to hide. They're not, they know, they know what's going on. They live there. They can see it. They can see the mom in the house. They can see me out. And what I've noticed when you ask the before and after is my kids now they have a level of confidence in them that is amazing to me. They have this ability to articulate what they want to do and their dreams and their passions in a way that I truly believe is because they've been taught that not to hide. They've been seeing that it's important to be who they are and who they want to be. Hmm. Oh, that yeah. And it's and it's more than just what we tell our kids that anything is possible. It's seeing that lived out day after day in the example that you're setting for them. They, they watch. They, they totally watch. And and it's that's, that is, the, I think, one of the greatest gifts that we can give them is they see what's going on. They saw mom worked really, really hard right now, but things are changing. Mom isn't, I wasn't stressed all the time. I wasn't crying all the time. We had food in the pantry. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they were able to see the results of it. And so when we, if we want to teach our kids how to change, we have to be on the same journey. Like if I 
going back, because I, I get the yelling thing. I mean, I dealt with that in my own life, but mm-hmm. I can't say to my kids, don't yell uh-huh. if I yell. Uh-huh. And so it's <laughs> that whole teaching aspect. Yes, that is the exact moment I knew, whoa, I'm yelling at my kids to stop yelling at each other. Yeah, yes. that's, that's so not true. going to work. <laughs> and that was the moment that I decided I needed to change. And it's not just – and the yelling is just one thing. You know, we cannot expect more of our kids than we expect of ourselves. That is – that's – I mean, that's exactly right. Yeah. It's brilliant. It's so good. And yeah. now my kids call me out on some of the stuff that I've I've written and I've teach and I, I share all the time. I talk about not labeling ourselves. Yes. and. I talk about not kind of wearing that. And I've said it to my kids for the last five years. And my son, Samuel, he's nine and he has dyslexia. So I'm really guarding his understanding of self and making sure that he understands that there's different ways that you're smart and all of that because he's brilliant. He's very smart. But one day he came home from school and he said, he's upset. And he said that a girl in his class called him dumb. And me being the mom, I was ready to go back to school because I was a little bit, I was mad. Mm-hmm. But then Sam looked at me and he said, but you know, mom, that, that dot, that, that label doesn't stick. Whoa. And I thought, oh my goodness, he already understands at the age of nine that somebody calling him this doesn't need to stick on who he, who he was. And then he said, and you know, I'm going to be kind to her anyway. Oh, come and on. Oh, I, parenting win look at you look what you're teaching your kids but the truth is I was all ready to like you know run in and he taught me and so sometimes I think as moms we just have to sit back and watch them because they don't judge and they have a greater patience for other people a greater understanding too so yeah yeah oh that is such a great example because So the event happened, the name was called, and he felt it. And he felt it, and he needed to share that with you. And you gave him the space to share the feelings that he had. And he could could feel that pain that comes from being called a name. But then he knew that it didn't need to stick, right? Exactly. And how many of us, you know, either push down the feelings because we think we shouldn't feel the the feelings, we should be stronger than that, but then we stick the label on us. Right. Or we do, or vice versa. We stay with the feeling so long that it becomes our identity. Right. right? Exactly. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the interesting thing is about emotions is so often people don't want you to experience whatever emotion you're experiencing. You're, you're thinking, well, don't be so upset right now. It's not that big a deal. I mean, I say it to my kids, people say it to me, but when you're experiencing the emotion, it is a big deal at that moment. So I think the greatest gift we can give is to let the emotion, let them experience it. And then whatever the truth is at that moment, because if you're not experiencing the emotion, if you're not stuck, it's very easy to see the options. But when you're the person there, you don't, you're, you're stuck in that emotion. So, but you can't deny it. So I always say, experience it, feel it, and then deal with it. Let's Mm. figure out how we can move forward because the emotion isn't our identity. Our identity is beyond the emotion. We're just human beings experiencing anger or experiencing sadness or experiencing joy. And when we can step back that little bit, then it becomes less of a label and more of an experience. Oh, that is so important. That is so important. And sometimes, I mean, I know adults that don't do this very well. I'm still working on it, right? So, oh, hello. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Just keeping it real. Keeping Just it real. mom podcast. That's You get what you pay for here on the podcast. Right. No. <laughs> Oh my word. I they lo- were like 
speaking around. I'm just like, it's so real. This is so perfect for me because I always talk about, you know what? I'm really not perfect. It's just real. So it is. It is. Me too. Me too. Gosh, these are just such important truths. And I'm actually coming out with a whole series, audio series on telling your story and about how valuable each and every one of our stories are. Because I hear all the time from women who are coming on the Extraordinary Moms podcast that they don't feel extraordinary. And I just want to smack them upside the head and be like, yes, you are. It it doesn't matter how challenging your challenges were or how high your accomplishments are. Like that is not what defines an extraordinary person. The fact that you're showing up and contributing as only you can do every day, that has infinite value. And so my goal is just to really help other women, especially to expose the life and the extraordinary stories that they are creating every day and to be more intentional on the other side of it going forward about the day-to-day choices they are making to leave a legacy and to create the endings to all of these narratives. Exactly. And I think that you're, you're perfect with what you're saying. It's the showing up. I had a picture that went, a quote that I made that went viral this spring and it was about showing up and it was basically about I went to the uh, my son Samuel's end-of-the-year school concert, and all these little first graders or second graders were walking in, and I watched them all do the same thing. They would look through the audience, and when they would look for their parent, they'd look for their mom or whoever, and they would they'd smile. And it's not even about needing to show up and be there all the time, because sometimes showing up means working or doing the hard things. And... We can't grade showing up based on how somebody else does it. But when we show up for our families and when we show up for our kids in whatever way it may be, whether it is being at that auditorium or it's being at work, having that pain, but knowing that I am working so that their future can be better. Mm. That's what really matters. So I love that part about the extraordinary because, you know, you and I know it's extraordinary. What's ordinary is in it. And life is, that is normal life is such a gift. And often until you go, when you go through a crisis or you're in a place where it's hard, everybody always says, I just want normal again. Right. So normal is so beautiful. It is. It is. And normal can really be found and appreciated anywhere that you are. And even if you're in a challenging season where your normal is not ideal, there mm-hmm. are still things to be grateful for. Did you find that in your lowest times? I did. I mm-hmm. did. I did write about gratitude in a different way than I think I've ever heard before, but I, I did write about it. I did make a posture of, and I still have it with my kids, that every day you need to find something that's wonderful, find joy in something, which is where the finding joy came from, because mm-hmm. happiness is very much dependent upon a circumstance. It's, you know, you go to a birthday party, everyone's singing for you. you you're happy. Uh, but joy to me is this deep posture of your heart where you decide something good happened today and I'm going to see it no matter what the circumstances are around me. Hmm. Yeah. I heard somebody else say beyond just having like a grateful journal or writing things in general that you're grateful for being specific by writing down, you know, three to five things or whatever that you're grateful for today that are applicable to this day in isolation really helps it to kind of elevate if you're not just in general grateful for the all the things but to be mindful that this day specifically is a gift can kind of elevate right. that in a new way and I never really thought about that before I'm going to try that 
It, I, it's, it's really powerful because it's sometimes just the simplest things. And you have the gift of today. You have these moments where you're like, wow, I did great. Mm. And then I always, I tell moms all the time, if you go to bed and you think, wow, I didn't accomplish anything today, I want you to think back to the morning when you woke up and you were the one that woke up and got everybody else going that day. That's accomplishing something because mm-hmm. it would be so easy to roll back over some mornings. But because you have decided I'm going to give myself to my family, you get up. And I always go back to that. Like, looks like everybody made it through the day. That's accomplishing something. Mm, I agree. I could not agree more. Yeah, I can feel those exhausted days. I have been there and yesterday was one of them, in fact. (laughs) Well, Rachel, you are just so incredible. Your book, The Brave Art of Motherhood, is such an extraordinary memoir, my favorite genre of book to read. And I'm just grateful for you putting your story out into the world and for recognizing the value and the beauty of the lessons you've learned in the lowest parts of your story that have brought you to this place of gratitude and intentionality that you're in today. I just think there's just such inspiration there. So thank you for writing it. Well, I appreciate that. I, I decided I got asked a lot because my writer, the readers saw the journey mm-hmm. and they said, how did you do it? And yeah. I realized, you know what, if I can figure out what it was in my mind that made me one day when it was really hard, decide to decide to do something to push myself forward. That's, that's what I need to write. So it really is. It's like, it's my story, but really it's about these collections of, of of motivation and thoughts for like for moms in general like if you wake up I just didn't want to be I don't want to get to the end of my story and my kids say you're a great mom she was a great mom but she was never happy Mm. I wanted to give them the gift of them saying my mom was a great mom but man she was happy too yeah I agree where can people find you online Rachel so you can find me uh at findingjoy.net or on Facebook at Finding Joy Blog. It's an awesome community of people there. And the book is, uh, you can find it at braveartofmotherhood.com. Perfect. I always ask my guests just one final question, and it's this, Rachel. What would Mm -hmm. you tell your pre-motherhood self? I would tell my pre-motherhood self to not expect perfection and to really be grateful for the good days and the bad days and the normal days and all of them because when I put expectations on myself to love every single moment it almost wiped me out Mm -hmm. and so I just give myself grace there's gonna be good there's gonna be bad there's gonna be normal and in it all you're just showing up beautiful thank you for sharing your journey Rachel you're amazing oh well thank you What a great conversation with Rachel. You need to pick up her book, Brave Art of Motherhood. Everything's linked over at the website, extraordinarymomspodcast.com. It is really a compelling, compelling story. And like I said in the beginning, it kind of reads like a movie script. And you're not sure how it's going to unfold. But in the end, look at what she has done with her life for her kids, what she's modeled, what she's learned. She's just extraordinary. So thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on the show today. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Like I said, everything's linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com, including pictures of Rachel and her cute family. All right. We are not going to have a Friday episode this week. I am in full crazy mode. We're buying a house right now and moving in the next month. And life is just crazy. So I'm just going to do every other Friday for this month because there's five Fridays. So... 
So no episode this Friday, but there will be one the next Friday. And actually, that will be awesome because we're going to do a marriage episode with my husband and I talking about a marriage challenge we've been doing lately. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that next week. But coming up next Tuesday for our episode will be the amazing Kathleen Whiting. So months ago, I had her daughter on, Tara Jones. Tara is an extraordinary mom of Indy Lou. She's now pregnant, which is really exciting. She shared about her motherhood journey. And as I've been following her on social media, I've also felt like I've gotten to know her amazing mom. And so I asked Kathleen, her mom, to come on the show as well to tell about her motherhood journey. And I would have never guessed the backstory behind this extraordinary mom. You're not going to want to miss her sharing about being a single mom, um, many years of her motherhood journey, talking about her husband's ex-husband's struggles and his now imprisonment, um, talking about the areas of lack she felt like when she was a young mother, and now reflecting back, feeling a lot of guilt and shame around that, and what her new intention is in this season of her life, where she feels like she has more capacity to be intentional, to be a great grandmother. But I feel like there's a lot of breakthroughs on there in terms of the way she views herself. And so I think it's a really vulnerable, important episode that I can't wait for you to tune into. So I hope you will listen in for Kathleen's episode next week. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today. And we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.